time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to a special mini-sode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Chad Hopkins of the Cinescope Podcast, to talk about the newest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doctor Strange. If you're a longtime listener, you may remember me mentioning that I was a guest on Chad's podcast a couple of months back. We talked about Blade Runner, one of my all-time favorite films, and had a really great conversation, so I'm very excited to have him here on Feelin' Film, finally. Chad, thank you for being here, man. What have you been up to, and how is Cinescope going? Man, Cinescope is going great. Thanks for asking. Uh, We just released episode 15 today over The Matrix, which was a film I hadn't seen before. And uh, over Halloween, we talked. I know, I know. uh, (laughs) My friend TJ, who was on the show with me, he'd been trying to get me to see that for three years. And uh, my podcast finally gave us the opportunity to to, uh, get me to watch it. So that was a fun conversation over Halloween. We had two Halloween horror episodes, two favorite horror films and... uh, yeah, the show's going great, life's going great, and just keeping on watching movies and enjoying talking about them. That's so good. I, I'm <laughs> I gotta admit, as much as I, you know, exclaim my what there, the same <laughs> thing has happened for me, um, since we've been doing the show here and um there's been movies that I haven't seen, you know, and it's yeah. been a joy to use this as a way to get around to watching them. So. Yes, I, I recall you not having seen West Side Story until yep. your podcast. <laughs> and uh, what was the Disney movie? Was it maybe Lilo and Stitch that you finally got I, around? I have not seen Lilo and Stitch until this. Thing. Yeah, Young Frankenstein. There's been quite a few, yeah. actually, um, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens. We all have gaps. We do. <laughs> we we have those blind <laughs> spots. So whatever we can do to get through them is is awesome. But that's that's great, man. So you've been going, how long has uh, Cinescope been in existence uh, now? Since... The end of July, beginning of August. So uh, just a few months now. Wow. Well, I'm happy to hear you're going strong. Um, I do recommend everybody check him out. We'll let him plug it again and give you all the the details on his social media feeds and where you can find him uh, at the end of the episode. But um, Cinescope is one of my favorite podcasts. I would not be having Chad on if I did not fully value his opinions on movies. He has a very similar uh, sensibility and, and kind of way of looking at movies as we do here at feel and film. Um, he tends to focus on the positive. He doesn't skirt the negative when there is negative, but he likes to bring up and, uh, really accent the best things about a movie. And I think you talk about, you actually kind of do yours topically, right? So you talk about story characters, music, which I find very intriguing. It's one of my favorite parts of your, your episodes. And is there another one? Yes, and then uh, relevance to the world around us. Oh, yes, yes. So the one that matters the most, probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Cinescope Podcast, highly recommend it. Um, so, Thank you. Yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about Doctor Strange. I-, I will start by saying you talked me into seeing this in IMAX 3D when we were discussing the film uh, over Facebook before we, we were talking about when we were going to go see it. And uh, you had mentioned maybe going to see it twice because you were you were seeing it regular the first time. Did you get to go see it in IMAX 3D? Unfortunately not. But depending on how you sell it to me now, I might make a special exception and go catch it again if I get the time. Well, I will I will I will go into that later. But I will say first, I'm glad you talked me into it. or I'm glad you brought good, it up good. because uh, 
it, it was worth it. So, um, so first up, let's just jump in there and tell me what you thought about the movie. Cause I haven't asked you yet. I wanted to save it for this and I, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll, I'll preface by saying I don't really know anything about Doctor Strange from the comics. My my comic knowledge is very minimal. I read some original Spider-Man, like very, very beginning Spider-Man, some Fantastic Four, some old school Batman. But outside of that, maybe 10, 15 issues of each, I, I just haven't dove into comics. And so Doctor Strange was nowhere in my wheelhouse. Um, so I just walked in knowing I liked Benedict Cumberbatch. I knew I liked the Marvel Cinematic Universe and... Uh, I, I did like it. I mean, I I wasn't walking in being too critical of it. I wasn't walking in expecting one thing or another. I had seen some positive reception on Twitter. But uh, other than that, I mean, I just walked in, expected a good film or a decent film at least. And I had that expectation, expectation met. That is good to hear. Um, you know, most Marvel movies will do that. And in fact, I, I can't think of a single one I've seen that I would even – that I would say I didn't enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of, I, I grade them based on level of enjoyment. <laughs> you right. know, there's, there's certain directors that are like that. I've been watching a lot of, uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher his name, but um, Dennis Villeneuve or Villeneuve, um, his <laughs> films, he's made Sicario prisoners uh, and Cindy's and, and his upcoming film was arrival and, and one we're going to be covering. So I've been kind of filling in my backlog with his movies lately. And I, I love them all. So kind of deciding between them is just a, what do I feel like today? And that's, that's a lot of how Marvel movies work for me because I enjoy so many of them. Uh, my background is I, I have read comics quite a bit. Um, I've done it in bursts. So a lot of things in my life kind of go in spurts. I'll go all in on something and do it really, really hardcore for a couple months. And then I won't touch it for a year. Comics falls into that same type of zone but uh-huh. I've, I've never read dr strange um so like you I, my exposure to this character was really in this movie i didn't know the origin story it's one of the first times i've ever gone to a marvel or dc comic book movie and not known the origin story so that was a neat experience for me um how i would say the difference between us is that based on the director of this film being scott derrickson um, I don't know if you're too familiar with him, but he is generally a horror director. Um, he's direct, right. he's made uh, the the haunting of Emily Rose, uh, which is an awesome movie, and um, some other some other great ones. Um, but it, because of how much I've really enjoyed his films in the past, I kind of had I, I let my expectations go to that level, uh-huh. and so I was like, "Well, this is going to be it. This is going to be the time when I finally get." you know, a thinking man's Marvel movie. It's not going <laughs> to just be the same thing. Um, it's going to be different. And right. so because of that, my expectations were not met and I was a little bit let down and I felt, I came away feeling underwhelmed, even though overall I still enjoyed the film and had a really good time with it. And so I, I want to start there really. And just ask, you know, I know you don't have a, a lot of, background with the comics but you you have watched quite a few of the marvel cinematic universe movies right right i've seen all of them oh good perfect so i believe that there is a marvel formula and part of that is often a human flawed hero who has some ego but 
ultimately gains a power and then makes the decision to be a hero and and give up on his selfish desires or her selfish desires and do the do something for the greater good. I don't know that that's just for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because that's pretty much just how comic books work. Um, uh-huh. But there is a specific tone to the Marvel Cinematic movies that includes a lot of a lot of humor, um, a lot of quippy humor, and I started to feel that this one was just not landing its jokes, and that I was kind of viewing. Doctor Strange or Stephen Strange as Tony Stark in a cape. And that took me out of the movie a little bit. And I, I started to kind of worry about Marvel maybe not being okay being serious. Like they were afraid to be serious. They just had to keep that comic relief. And so I just wondered what you thought about that. You know, did you, does that bother you in, in general or, Am I being a little overcritical and should I just accept that this is what Marvel movies are and it's okay and they may never reach that great film level for me and I need to just accept that and be okay with it? Well, I mean, I think you're definitely entitled to your opinion and I wouldn't say any opinion is wrong. No, for me, I've never really thought of a specific Marvel formula before, but I suppose looking at it uh, critically and looking at it in detail, yes, I, I would see where you would say, okay, this movie does have a lot of similarities to Iron Man, and this movie does have a lot of similarities to Thor, and, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, there's a lot of films that do sort of follow this basic quote-unquote formula, but I would sort of level the same thing. The Force Awakens was a lot like A New Hope, um, and the, the Force Awakens was a fantastic film, Indeed. So, I mean, I think if you look at specific elements of a film, yes, there can be a lot of similarities. But what they do in between those specific moments and those specific maybe key plot points is what sort of sets them apart. And, you know, I I took a comic book uh, class in college, really random, just for fun. Um, That's cool. I want to go there. Yeah, it it was a lot of fun. But uh, one thing that we sort of explored was the difference between DC and Marvel and one thing that Marvel has always sort of focused on since the introduction of Spider-Man and the 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 sort of Marvel renaissance of the 60s was flawed human characters that people can identify with and I think that that's why we have this quote-unquote formula is because having somebody who has a journey to go on and has room to grow as a person uh, gives real people in the audience a chance to identify with the character. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I'm, I appreciate the context. I really do. And I, and I, I do think that I, I was kind of asking it almost rhetorically because I, I think that I let my expectations for it get out of hand. Um, like I said, based on the director, I, I took a director's previous work and decided, well, this guy has been really good at, you know, serious, dramatic, deeply themed, uh, specifically religiously themed movies. Um, and so I'm going to get that right. And I, I didn't get that. And it doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make him wrong. It just makes it different. And, uh, and that's totally okay. So I really do. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it, it makes perfect sense that Marvel is aiming that direction with the majority of their characters. 
Right. I mean, you definitely do have to have a certain level, certain level of compartmentalization uh, where, you know, I really enjoy Benedict Cumberbatch. But in a lot of his films, you could argue that he plays more or less a version of the same character. You've got him playing Julian Assange in The Fifth Estate, who's this sort of secluded genius who doesn't get along with other people very well and <laughs> this and that. And then you play, see him playing Sherlock in the yeah. BBC TV series. And you have this secluded smart person who doesn't get along. I mean, you get the point. And it's sort of the same thing here. But aside from that very basic character trait, there's so much more to the character. And I, same thing when comparing him to Tony Stark. Yes, they have similar character characteristics, but ultimately their journey is different. And uh, I, I appreciate both their similarities and their differences. Yeah, for sure. Um, since you brought him up, I, I do want to mention that I think he does a fantastic job. Once I accepted the American accent, <laughs> that was <laughs> the same here. <laughs> oh man, that was just, it took a second. It really did. I was like, are they dubbing this? Is that, is that really him <laughs> speaking? Um, it was just, it was so weird, you know, hearing him without his British accent. I just, it was amazing to me and it and i'm i'm always blown away by very good actors and actresses who can do that um who uh -huh. can just on a dime change their entire character i mean that's a big part of acting like not being pigeonholed into one accent for your roles and so i, I didn't love it necessarily but i, I was impressed by the the job uh, yeah it, it threw me for a uh, <laughs> threw me for a loop but uh, i agree he was he was great he um Benedict Cumberbatch is just a likable actor. I mean, oh, even in so these nice. sort of weird antagonistic character roles, when we're not supposed to agree with him or like him, we do because Cumberbatch is likable and he does a good job with every role he's put in. Have you watched Sherlock, by the way? Tangents. I have, and I am so excited for the season four premiere on January 1st. Me too. You know, maybe we should come together and do like a season four episode. That sounds the, great. The <laughs> we should do that and like share it on both of our sites or something. But, um, Tangent, tangent there. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Um, let's go to visuals because, you know, you did ask uh, about what I thought about the IMAX 3D. And so, th uh, first of all, I'll back, I'll back up, back that up with, I go to maybe one to two th IMAX movies or 3D slash IMAX movies a year. It's very rare for me. Um, with as many movies as I'm going to see right now, especially because of the podcast, um, as many theater movies. And, uh, and really no income, extra income to do that. You know, I'm, I'm funding it on my own right now. Um, right. And a lot of times I got to take my kids. <laughs> so it can get really expensive fast. But occasionally a movie will come along. Um, usually it's made by Christopher Nolan. Uh, but other than <laughs> that, you know, there are the occasional, there is the occasional film that warrants an IMAX 3D viewing. Force Awakens. Big specific things like that. So I read the, there's a cinema website that specifically is called cinema blend. I can't remember that does these 3d reviews, uh, for new movies that come out and they give it a score. And this one ranked extremely high and their, their recommendation was go see it in IMAX 3d. The visuals are worth it. So I decided to just go for it. Um, saw it on like a half off Tuesday or something. So it was a lot cheaper and it was awesome. I mean, it was just incredible the the inception like scenes with the physics manipulation and the world bending those and then the different man 
the way that we took a journey through these different dimensions and these different worlds that that these different planes of existence that Dr. Strange gets to go on. I mean, this is a hard movie to make because you're dealing with things Mm -hmm. that are very hard to, you know, get into your head, like to get from your head to a screen and like, have it make sense. It can be difficult. It's not earth. It's not simple. Something we can relate to. Um, and I thought they did a phenomenal job, especially with the transitions, uh, between the different dimensions going into the mirror world, coming out of the mirror world, um, going into the dark zone, things like that. It was a treat to see this movie on a big screen with amazing sound. Um, I, I would say honest, honestly, that 3d didn't do a ton for me, but the IMAX screen itself was well worth the price of admission. Right. And I generally prefer IMAX just because I do enjoy the, the more the screen real estate and the, the increased sound levels. And I, I think if, if I can see a movie in IMAX, it's always worth it. The 3D, give or take for me, it doesn't really bother me unless it's a dark film like Brave by Pixar was a very dark film. When, when I saw that in 3D, it was tough to watch because it, it, the 3D dims it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so I am jealous that you were able to see this on IMAX and I was not because I was with some friends who uh, wear glasses and aren't as keen on both IMAX and 3D. If it was maybe one or the other, then it would be fine, but they they can't really handle both, and I, I respect that. Um, but yeah, the, the visuals here are very impressive, and that first scene where the Ancient One sort of sends him on this journey through the the, the different dimensions... I sort of just like sat back in my chair and felt like the, the skin was peeling off my face. It was like, whoa, what is happening? This is so cool. Even though it wasn't on the, the bigger screen, um, I, I I was enjoying the experience and the fantastic visuals and the, the glimpse of Dormammu we got in that, that shot, which might have been some foreshadowing. I don't know. But uh, I, I think it was. Yeah, it, it, it was very trippy. You know, I didn't. That when we got that foreshadowing shot of him, by the way, it, you know, all we got was like a side view of his eye. I didn't uh-huh. think he was a giant face. I thought it was like the eyeball of a giant dragon or something. I mean, I had, I had a completely different visualization of what the rest of Dormammu looked like in my head. Um, so it was awesome because I got to be surprised, <laughs> you know, in the end, right? Um, when it was just a face. Uh, so there's, I gotta, I gotta be honest though and say. While I enjoyed the visuals, I do have a little bit of a nitpick with them. I kind of felt like we saw some of the best it had to offer in the trailers. And this is one of the, this is, those who know me know that I, I try not to watch trailers for movies that I don't want to be spoiled at all. Um, but there are other movies, like these big blockbusters I tend to not worry about. But I do think that we got some of the best scenes, or at least glimpses of them, uh, in the trailers. And... More importantly, my bigger nitpick is I felt like aside from a couple of moments that there wasn't a ton of reasons for the physics changing of the world. So there was a couple occasions where it was really important. One being uh, where Caecilius is chasing Strange and I think Mordo's with him and they Pop a, pop a portal up in front of them and they're going to run into it and Caecilius moves, twists the world so that they slide right by the portal. That uh-huh. was a perfect example of like when it's useful and when it's necessary. But then there was moments of just these chase scenes and it felt like 
you know, Caecilius is, is altering this landscape, but all he's doing is creating pathways for Strange to run away from him on. And I, I didn't understand why they didn't, as these powerful mages who have ridiculous amounts of, like, energy manipulation abilities, just kind of, why didn't they go toe-to-toe? To toe? Why are they, why are we getting this, other than for the cool factor of seeing it? Right. I I would agree that a lot of the visuals didn't have a whole lot of purpose aside from, hey, this looks cool. Um, and it, it was almost as if Caecilius was trying to just trip uh, trip Strange out with kaleidoscope visuals. Um, it would have you know, worked on me. Thing, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. Uh, same here. But, uh, you know, something that maybe just occurred to me was that, you know, Strange is wildly still inexperienced. Mm. And so his main method of uh attack or combat in the situation is just to run away and so caecilius bending the world around him running away does give him an advantage now does that excuse unnecessary visuals no but maybe that's a little bit of explanation for some of the the wasted ones that we get towards the end true True. And, you know, and if you're going to, I mean, I do understand, again, I was, I enjoy the movie. I feel like I have to keep saying that because I, I gave it like a three-star rating and I've heard nothing but questions and like, oh my gosh, is on social media. And I, I try to explain to people, I'm like, three stars is above average, guys. Like, that's a good movie. Why Everything doesn't have to be five stars, but that's another whole podcast conversation that I want to have at some point is why we feel like every movie needs to be five stars. Um, that's unrealistic. So... <laughs> But yeah, I just, I, I did enjoy it. And I think, you know, on some level it was like, okay, this exists. So we really need to give it to the people <laughs> because they're going right. to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's going to look great on my big screen TV and Blu-ray when it comes out eventually. It, so, I mean, I is. have that to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'll want to watch it again. I, I, I want to watch right. it again as well because of the humor thing. I kind of, I think maybe on a second viewing when I know it's coming, I'll be able to like let that go and appreciate the rest of the movie uh, aside from that even better. But speaking of Caecilius, <laughs> I, I, my thoughts on him are that I love the eye makeup. I thought the eye makeup was fantastic. Um, it's a very neat and very simplistic way to show a transformation in a character or control by Dormammu in the dark zone taking over him. Um, however, I got to tell you, f- for me, I feel like he is at the very bottom or, you know, in contention for the bottom of Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. And part of that is because he's sort of a puppet to Dormammu in reality. Yes, he has his own motivations, but they're nothing interesting. They're just, oh, cool, I want more power, you know? Like, I want more power, and I, it doesn't make any sense to me, to be honest. If if he understands that by bringing Dormammu in, the world is going to be destroyed, then what is he exactly seeking to gain? And so there may be an answer to that question, and I'd love for you to tell me it if you know it, but I don't feel like the movie explained it well enough either way, and so I kind of struggled with that. I think... The chemistry between, I'm not going to try to say his name, Cheat, can you do it? Should we tell Ezio for? Oh, you nailed it. So between (laughs) the chemistry between he and Cumberbatch is really good. And so, I mean, quick spoiler, 
I guess I should have said this at the beginning of the episode that we were going to spoil it. We probably too late now, but, um, uh, Baron Mordo is Dr. Strange's arch nemesis. And, and if you've, if you paid attention to the post credit scenes, you would know that that's, that's kind of where the, this is going. That's the direction. I enjoyed that. I think that those two are going to make for a great, uh, opposing pair. Um, but for this particular movie, I thought Kaecilius was just really weak and, uh, yeah, I just kind of just didn't enjoy him very much. But what about you? What'd you think? You know, while you were talking, I initially, you know, I was trying to come up with an argument in my head. I was trying to argue with you because I did think of him positively as a good villain while watching the film. But thinking on it, trying to think of motivations, I really can't nail it down for a, a, an explanation that makes sense. Um, you're right. What does he have to gain if... Uh, Dormammu destroys the world where is he going to go where is he going to have the power that he wants is he just going to have this power and have nowhere to exercise it um it 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 doesn't make a lot of sense and you know going back to the idea of a marvel formula unfortunately the marvel formula if there is one includes poor villains in most of their films um i would say that loki's a strong villain i would say that uh What's his name from Civil War was one of their better villains, but still not fantastic. Uh, what was that character's name from Civil War? Uh, yes, also a Baron, I believe. Um, I think his name was Baron something. I can't. I can't remember his name right now either. But I loved him. I thought he was very well created. Right, he's definitely a lot better than some of them. I wouldn't say that Caecilius is the worst one here uh, in Marvel. I would say that probably goes to Mickey Rourke in Iron Man Two. Um, well, true. True, true, true. true. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he is a weak villain. Aside from looking cool and aside from a good performance from Mads Mikkelsen, um, duh. Oh, yeah, he, the he, performance is fine. Absolutely. Right. And same thing with Ejiofor. Four. Uh, they both have good performances. In fact, I'd say that pretty much all the performances here are on par with Marvel's standards. They have a pretty good casting department and hit the nail on the head most of the time. Um but you're right. His his motivations are fuzzy, don't make a lot of sense, and I don't know. It, it's it is just another case of Marvel suffering from a poor villain problem. Now uh, for Mordo, I I have problems with his motivations as well because all of a sudden he just he's just he's upset by the defying the laws of nature thing, the the turning back time to to essentially fix the problems of the film and to defeat the villain. It just doesn't make sense that that would enrage him so badly into becoming a villain when the alternative is that Dormammu has destroyed the Earth. I mean, there's clearly one of these options that's better than the other, even if it does involve turning back time and breaking the the laws of nature. So I, I don't know. I just don't really buy his turn away from the Ancient One and his... Uh, his anger towards her decision to borrow from the dark dimension and all that stuff. It just, I didn't follow it very well. I didn't believe it very much. And, you know, in the next Dr. Strange film, when Ezio Four's back playing Mordo, I'm sure he's going to be great. But knowing the sort of origin of that, I don't really buy into it. I had a hard time with it as well. Um, after giving it some thought. So I, I actually really disliked it the first night uh, coming home from the theater and I was just like shaking my head, like oh, wasted, wasted opportunities with this. But um, the more that I let it sit in, I, I think, I think where the intention was 
is that, you know, this is like, he's almost like a woman scorned (laughs) in a way. (laughs) I mean, he's been, he's been there so long. He's devoted so much of his life to this. He's kind of like a, you know, a one a, he's the, the, the right side of the throne to the ancient one. And strange comes in with incredibly, you know, raw talent, um, very reluctant to train in the right ways um, and do the things that Mordo has been doing for decades. And so I think that some jealousy plays into this and I don't think that they showed it necessarily well enough, but I think that that's probably what we're going to end up seeing more of is it. It's the only thing that can make it make sense to me (laughs) is that he's got to have some jealousy here. Um, It can't just simply be about, the law of nature being broken and him having this righteous anger. Um, I think that there's, there's something more there, but I don't, I do agree with you a hundred percent that I don't think that they showed it well enough or, or fleshed it out for us in a way that was clear. Right. Hopefully that's explored more in the future because right now, I mean, he was such a driving force in strange becoming Dr. Strange and the, the hero of the film. And then he just sort of falls by the wayside as he gets angry at the outcome of the ancient one's decisions and at the outcome of strange's rescue. And then hello, he's the villain now. Okay. I guess that makes sense, but not really. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> the other end credit scene was pretty good though. I got to admit pretty darn fun. I would agree. The one with Thor. Oh, I laughed yes. pretty hard. Um, so while we're on villains, Dormammu, right. Is ultimately the one in control here, um, as the villain for the, for, He's in the, like I said, he's the puppet master. And also um, voiced by Cumberbatch. Really? Yes, he did plays two know, characters in this film. Did not know that. You know, that, that gives even more interesting meaning to the uh, the awesome, what I got to say is an awesome battle and final scene with Dormammu. I, I thought this was one of the best square-offs between any Marvel hero and villain that I have seen on cinema uh, screen so far. Primarily because of its uniqueness. Um, this is not a, an issue of I'm going to take my brawn and I'm going to match it against your brawn and we're just going to beat each other until one of us finally gets tired. Um, this wasn't a matter of even using his vast uh, energy manipulation abilities. This was simply being smarter than your opponent and outwitting him. And I, I just absolutely loved the idea of the time loop and the way in which Strange died over and over and over again. Um, my one quibble <laughs> was that maybe Strange seems to go from egotistical, all about himself for the entire movie, to, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to go up there and I'm going to do this and I'm willing to give up the rest of my life eternally in this loop to save humanity. I thought that that switch happened a little fast for my liking, uh, but the scene was so good. The scene was so good that it just overshadows my, like I said, a little bit of annoyance with that. Did you enjoy that final scene? As right, as I, I completely did? agree with you because it, it is such a departure from the typical climactic final battle scenes of these Marvel films. Um, there's no this sort of more explosions, please, sentiment here. That, that's gone in the favor of a chess match, basically. But the problem with this chess match, like you said, is that Cumberbatch sort of or strange sort of ends it in three moves essentially that's what it feels like it's like okay Mm -hmm. uh here we are bad guys happening I'm just gonna rewind time a little bit and now I'm going to end this and it's like a a 10 minute 
scene. That's it. I mean, there's we get Dormammu arriving. Strange shows up on scene and less than 10 minutes later, he's defeated. Um, of course, time passes over via montage, but it, it it does feel rushed. The character decision for Strange to all of a sudden feel the need to sacrifice himself does feel rushed. Um, but I, I'm willing to forgive that for the u- uniqueness of the scene. I, I like the the smarter approach and the sort of I mean, frankly, comedic approach. It, it's a, it's got some funny moments, and I, I appreciate funny. that. It is funny. The, yeah. the subtle changes in inflection of the way he he continues to say it. <laughs> I am here to negotiate. Like the way he just continues to do it, and he, you know, and sometimes he's like very clearly like just done. He wants to be done, you know, and he's right. just really frustrated. And other times he's got this great conviction, and and to you know slowly see Dormammu start to become very frustrated and just rattled. Um, it's, it's, it was awesome. It was, it was, I think it was the highlight of the movie for me, um, was that, right. and, and I usually don't think that about the climax, you know, it's very rare. So yeah, definitely top notch. Yeah. And it also just real quick, it does show that strange, despite his growth and his willing to sort of sacrifice himself, ultimately, ultimately it shows he has still held on to some of his arrogance because clearly he, he thought he would walk away from that, the winner, or he wouldn't have been so willing maybe to sacrifice himself to begin with. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It's a lot easier to right, yeah. So it's a lot easier to uh, win or or bet bet big when you've stacked the deck, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it helps your confidence a little bit to have confidence. <laughs> um. So one other big things, and one of the things that I, like I said earlier, came into this film with an expectation for, um, was how spirituality was going to be portrayed. Scott Derrickson is a professed Christian, and and he brings that into his horror films he's never overtly preachy um, which i actually even though i am a christian i don't really prefer overtly preachy um but he he does you know you can tell you get a sense of his belief of and and faith through his films and so i wondered how that was gonna mesh with a story about dr strange who is a character that is steeped in mysticism and, and Eastern um, religions, which is which is different, obviously, from Christianity. So, I'm curious first how how did did you pick up on anything on the spirituality level? Um, did it get to that point for you, or was it kind of surface level? They mention it once or twice, um, but right. did you I mean, feel anything deeper? Right. I mean, at, at surface value, at face value, I think that. The, the main thing it's trying to communicate is that sometimes you just have to put faith in things that are difficult to fathom. Uh, the very first time Strange shows up at the Ancient One's doorstep, he's completely disbelieving. And then all of a sudden she sends him on an out-of-body experience through the uh, alternate dimensions. And, I mean, it's hard to walk away from that not believing in something greater, whether that's a greater being or a greater plane of existence or something like that. But at the same time, the Ancient One also tried to equate magic to science or physics. And so that sort of takes away from that message a little bit because it sort of tries to apply a scientific explanation for what's happening rather than just taking everything on faith. And uh, that's what sort of took away from the spirituality message to me. But going on just one more step, there is the idea of communicated belief uh, or or a communicated belief was... um, to, the idea that to do something, you only had to believe that you were capable of doing it. Um, or in terms of Christianity, 
uh, I'm also a Christian, the idea that if you put your faith in God, you can accomplish anything, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, so there's, there's sort of mixed messages here. There's ideas of faith, there's ideas of science, there's ideas of uh, faith in or belief in yourself and in things you can accomplish. And I wish it had settled on maybe one of those and made it a little bit more clear what it was trying to get across to the audience. Yep. Yep. That's exactly where I landed with it as well. And, and I'm not saying at all that I think it had to have settled on Christian faith. And in fact, I probably would have, I probably would have disliked it had he tried to shoehorn that into this story. Um, because that's not, that's not what this character is. And that, that is never going to be what this character is about. Um, but I would have liked more of a, a, a tunneled approach, I guess, uh, down one path. Um, whereas it felt like, it felt like after those initial scenes with the ancient one, we kind of just lost track of that altogether. And it was Uh just, it just became more about the enjoyment of harnessing the energy and using it Uh, more about using it than it was about how you got the power to use it. Um, so it just, it just kind of went a little fast for me, I guess, in that area as well. So it, it, it wasn't anything that harmed the film in a big way. Um, no, I mean, Derrickson had a tough challenge here in the sense that Dr. Strange deals with things that no Marvel film has dealt with before in terms of magic and mysticism and stuff like that. Up to this point, everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had a scientific explanation. So it would have been cool if it had just been a complete departure from that and wow, look at this magic that these these characters can accomplish and look at the things, the powers that they have and left it at that. I mean, yeah. why need, why do we need an explanation for cool powers? Yeah. But he, he did try and give us an explanation and that doesn't take away completely, but it just would have been cool to make it completely unknown. Agreed. Agreed. So I have a couple of, of love and hate kind of type moments here for me in the film that I wanted to just briefly touch on. They aren't anything that I don't think needs super conversation. Uh, we don't need to deep dive into them, but um, right. I really loved the opening scenes with the hands and the way that Derrickson used the cinematography to show us the importance of Strange's hands. Um, I mean, everything about this man is wrapped up in his hands, his ego, his confidence, his money, his fame, everything relies on them. And instead of a line of dialogue telling us that we see this montage where we see hands being washed. We see hands brushing against each other. We see, you know, hands doing all of these different tasks, some of them off center. Um, and I, I absolutely just thought that that was a very, very unique and very, uh, frankly, uh, an an excellent or a, I don't know expert type of scene to be in a Marvel movie. It was not the kind of scene I expected in a Marvel movie. It had more depth. Uh, did right. You, did you see that? It's actually not something I noticed the first time. So I'm wow. kind of wanting to go back and pay more attention to that and really appreciate that the way you have, uh, because I mean, showing not telling is a big part of good cinema and not saying that you can't tell us some things every once in a while, but to, to see a director being so careful and not telling us too much and instead giving us that information visually. Uh, I mean, cinema is a visual medium 
And I, I can appreciate when that is used to great effect. And so I, I love to go back and see that for myself and pay a little bit more attention to stuff like that at the beginning. Well, you can do that when you get the Blu-ray and you can watch it <laughs> on your big TV. Um, on the, on the flip side, not great cinematography for me was the car crash. I thought that that was probably the most fake, ridiculous car crash scene I have ever seen. It just did not work for me. Not that it was a huge problem. I mean, it was a quick scene and then it was over, but it felt so cartoonish and out of place from the more serious tone that we had really gotten up until that point that it, it bothered me a lot. Uh, did you, did you have any reaction to the car scene? It, it did seem excessive. And I, I do remember thinking that in the moment, it was just, wow, this has been happening for a long time. This is like a 30 second car crash. Oh, it, it flipped over. Oh, it rolled down the hill some more. Oh, and now it's landed in the lake and it just kept on going and going. And we get it. He, he was in a car crash and then for him to walk away with some nerve damage in his hands. It just didn't seem completely in the realm of believability. I mean, if you're going to make it a bad car crash, give him some more severe injuries. If you're not, then tame it down just a little bit. Very, very good point for him to come out of that kind of crash with nothing but the hand injuries is, I mean, it's completely unrealistic to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh, probably, I mean, part of that is a spine injury. Um, but still, yes, it, it it didn't seem the severity of the injuries didn't seem to match the severity of the crash. So we would be remiss if we don't mention this before we end. And that is the cape of levitation. That is Dr. Strange's signature item um, as the film described. And I love this mytho- part of the mythology that I did not know about a relic choosing you. Um, I didn't know that his cape was special, to be honest with you. I thought it was just a really cool costume. So I got to be blown away, too, by the the realization that this thing was sentient. And, oh, 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 man, that thing was so cool. Yeah, I mean, going back to my unfamiliarity with the character, I didn't even know that the cape was what gave him the power of flight or anything. I didn't know anything about that. And so I really enjoyed the the fact that it did choose him, sort of like the wand choosing the wizard, I suppose, in Harry Potter. Um, and the slapstick that it brought was definitely some of the best humor in the film. Um, but I was also slightly, I mean, this is a very, very, very slight disappointment that it only levitated because he actually didn't do much levitating. The Most of the role of the cape in this film was actually separate from Doctor Strange and helping him to take down the bad guys through hiding their faces or not exactly giving Dr. Strange the power of flight. Right. Well, yeah, I think that, I think it, you know, he flew up into the dark zone. So that was probably its big moment. Um, but I would expect that it definitely plays a role as we move forward. And uh, And, again, I didn't know, I didn't know either. I didn't know that's what made him fly. (laughs) I had no clue. Uh, And I mean, I think we can all appreciate that, that the gift that we saw going into the film of Dr. Strange sort of picking up the cape and flipping it around his shoulders. I mean, we can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, especially now we know that it's kind of like almost doing it on its own. Right. Um, so we're going to wrap up. I don't want to go too deep into this. I actually just want to mention it so that we have talked about it, um, at least acknowledge, or acknowledged it. And that is that there were a lot of racial and whitewashing issues around this film. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go too deep into that. I believe that the director has... Um, very clearly stated what his reasons were for the casting. And he has also uh, come out and publicly accepted any responsibility uh, and, and all responsibility 
and any consequences that may come from that. He's acknowledged it and said, it's okay. Um, I did what I felt was right and I stand behind it. And if it upsets some people, then I do apologize. I never intended for that to happen. Um, but I can take it because I made the film artfully that I thought I needed to make. And I, I really respect that, uh, that he would come out and address it and not just let it be an elephant in the room. Uh, but I do know that some people were offended. And I, I just want to say, um, if for some reason you've listened to this whole podcast and you haven't seen the movie yet, um, if you can put that aside, it is a very good film. But it does have a little bit of a problem with its depiction of Asian culture. I was bummed that all we got to see uh, in Kathmandu was this incredibly stereotypical little temple scene uh, where the ancient one was training strange. And there was just, there was nothing. I mean, the biggest thing we got was kind of the stupidest joke in the whole movie about a Wi-Fi password, which was ridiculous. I mean, that was in the trailer, but that was just so out of place and so silly um, that it did kind of, I think it was a missed opportunity. Um, And Marvel needs to address this. They need to think about this going forward because they've cast uh, Iron Fist and another Asian character as a, a white guy. And, and they need to, they need to own it. And I think they need to start thinking about, um, they've, they've done a good job, you know, with other races, uh, whether it's African American or Hispanic, um, bringing other characters into the fold. Like the black Panther film is, is got an amazing cast and it's almost all, uh, actors of color. But um, I think when it comes to Asian, Asian American uh, nationalities that they, they have a little bit of a ways to go. Yes. I do think it's important to talk about. And because of my unfamiliarity unfamiliarity with the character, I don't really know the specific origins of Dr. Strange, the character or the specific nationality of him or uh, the ancient one. I mean, from what I've gathered, different origin stories have had with different ethnicities, but Yes, I think if you're going to take a film and you're going to set it in Kathmandu, then you do have a responsibility to accurately depict that culture and to present it in a positive way. Not everybody has to be a a white male or a white female for that matter. I mean, representation is important. I don't think that representation should come at the expense of quality, but I don't think that I think that Marvel has to take that chance first before they can back up and say, this is the right actor for the job and not, you know, am I, am I making sense? I sort of got lost in my words, but they they just need to take a chance and they They, need to, they need to give people opportunities to display their culture. And if that takes bringing in somebody on the creative team who can help them make sure that they're presenting the culture accurately and not stereotypically, which I think, to be fair to them, that's something that they're trying to avoid. They, they didn't cast the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 as a stereotypical Asian person because they didn't want to face Asian backlash. Yeah. And I understand that. But you have to take chances sometimes and just include the community. Have people come in and tell you you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong. Let's dial this back a little bit and let's – they just need to take the chance. I mean that that's the bottom line. They need to give more people uh, – actors of color and – different nationalities a chance to come to the forefront and show us what they got. Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. And I think that's the perfect place 
to end this one. So Chad, it's been awesome. Um, I appreciate so much you coming on the show. Like I said, I always love talking to you about movies. Um, your perspective is, is fantastic and fun and it's, it's so you, you, you do such great job of uh, deep thinking about films, um, from this perspective that I don't see a lot or hear a lot in podcasts. Um, and so that's one, that's one of the reasons I'm just, I'm a big fan of your podcast, the Cinescope podcast. So tell everybody where they can find you. If they want to continue the conversation, get in touch with you. And most importantly, how can they find your show? Well, thank you very much, Aaron, for all of your kind words. I've been a big fan of feeling film from before I started my podcast because it was sort of a framework for how I wanted to approach mine as well. So thank you. And uh, that being said, finding me on social media is social media is pretty easy. Um, I am on Twitter at Chadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Um, I'm sure there will be a link in the show notes so you don't have to remember all those A's and D's. <laughs> there will. There will. <laughs> and uh, you can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. Now, as for the Cinescope podcast, you can find it at thecinescopepodcast.com or on iTunes. Sounds good. And at Cinescope Pod on Twitter. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I hope everybody will check out uh, the Cinescope podcast. Uh, if you have one takeaway action item from today and listening to this episode, that's it. If you want to touch uh, base with me further, you can find me all over the internet using at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything. If you want to find uh, more about the show, you can find us at Feelin' Film on Facebook. We have a pretty active Facebook group. Come join the conversation there. Jump in, talk about movies, TV, whatever you want uh, with a lot of like-minded folks and have fun doing it. Uh, until next time, I guess that's all we've got for you. Uh, you will be getting our normal, regular episode coming up uh, this next week end with Nerve. And then we're actually doing another one. We're doing a, a mini-sode next week as well uh, on the new sci-fi flick, Arrival. I think I mentioned that earlier. And I'm very excited to see that one as that's my personal favorite genre. Uh, as Chad knows, because I picked Blade Runner to talk about on his show. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us. So until next time, stay positive and keep feeling filmed.